Hey, it's Amalia and welcome back to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. I'm really excited today because we're going to be speaking all about bitless riding, how to ride your horse bitless, everything bitless bridles, bitless riding and bitless tips. I love riding bitless, but I'm not anti-bits. I still ride my horses with bits, although I do have one horse who generally prefers bitless and the other horse she she's pretty happy in either. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not the sort of person who's like extreme viewed in terms of like we should all be riding bitless and abolish all bits for life. Um, although I have to say my opinion is subject to change because who knows, maybe one day in the future that will be my belief. And you may have noticed different people that I have interviewed on the podcast, some prefer to ride bitless, some have tried riding bitless and think that um, bit, bits are still the way to go. I think the jury is still out and I think it's sort of like, you know, saddles. It's very much a personal opinion and very much a personal preference. However, no matter what you ride in, obviously we need to be considering how the horse feels, how the horse is responding and using whatever tool we have in the lightest way possible, which which requires really good training and really good timing of release and yeah, really considering the horse's experience. It's really interesting though, because when I talk to non-horsey people, like bits is such a traditional thing as in they are, they've been used for thousands and thousands of years and people just accept that that's how we ride horses. They have, they have a bit in their mouth. But if you think about other species, like imagine us putting a bit in a dog's mouth, say like, it seems like such a barbaric thing to do and then yeah when I speak to non-horsey people they're like oh so it's actually like a metal object in the horse's mouth like wow that sounds really kind of harsh and yeah it does like without any sort of education around it it does sound a bit bizarre and a bit cruel but we know that horses are fairly accepting of bits when they are ridden in a kind way but anyway today's all about bitless riding so don't get me on the tangent of talking about bits maybe that's for another episode uh, but basically I recently rode in a uh, Karen Rolf clinic in South Australia which was an incredible experience but I rode um, 50-50 in bitless and with a bit with the horse I was riding and I had a lot of questions about the type of bridle I was wearing and bitless riding in general so I thought why not do a podcast episode all about bitless riding and then I put it out to my Instagram followers I asked you what you would like to hear me talk about in this episode and I got a lot of questions so I'm going to cover all of those today in today's uh, podcast episode. So some of those questions were I'll just read them out to you we've got um Riding with confidence, going bitless, jumping bitless, how to get your horse used to it, aids, etc. Are there any particular bitless bridles that you would recommend over others? Different bridles for different disciplines, e.g. dressage versus show jumping. Any issues with skin rubbing or irritation to look out for with different styles of bridles? The transition tips for bitless for when to leave the arena for trails or going outside the barn. I'd love to see you talk the rules surrounding bitless, how it's not allowed in dressage, etc. Bitless and competing. Where did you get your bridle? How do you start using a bitless bridle? What is the process? Where do I start? Recommended first starting out bitless bridle. So lots of different questions, which I'm really excited to answer. It makes it a lot more fun for me answering questions on a podcast because it feels more interactive. Like for you, if you've listened to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast for a long time, you're probably familiar with me and some of my principles and my values in training horses, but I don't know much about you and I don't, and it feels sometimes like a one-sided conversation. So I love hearing from you and your questions. So if you ever feel like it, definitely get in touch with me on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. Um, I'm always looking for inspiration for more podcast episodes. So do reach out. I am a real human. I, I read all the messages. So um, yeah, please, I'd love to hear from you. Before we actually jump into everything bitless writing, I am really excited because Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, also known as HFA, is opening up for enrollment on October 18th, 2023, which is about one week from now if you're listening to this episode as soon as it drops. 
it is for you. So HFA is for you if you want to follow a proven flexible framework of groundwork and writing to help build the essential foundation of connection, confidence and communication with your horse. Imagine that your horse trusts you, you can communicate clearly with each other, you're both much more relaxed even in new situations, your horse is willing to do what you ask and you have the skills and techniques for when problems do arise. And these things can allow you to do awesome things like ride bitless, go to competitions, have a relaxing trail ride and simply enjoy your horses more without all the extra stress and frustration. Recently at the Karen Rolf Clinic, people were complimenting me on the awesome connection that I have with my horse. And honestly, it just comes down to good fundamentals. Like there's no secret sauce or magic to it. I mean, it feels magical, but it really does come down to three simple fundamentals of connection, confidence and communication. Plus, the advanced things are just the fundamentals done to a high level, so you may as well get the fundamentals good no matter what your discipline or goal is with horses. Now, this will be the last time that HFA is offered at the current price, and we will be doing six live coaching calls with me over 12 weeks, so you can have the maximum support on your horsemanship journey. We did a live round earlier in the year and it was so good connecting with people over Zoom. Like I was saying before, sometimes it feels like a bit of a one-sided conversation, but when you're in my HFA family or HFA fam as we call it, I get to connect with you more. I get to talk with you about your horses, what you're struggling with, what your wins are and help guide you towards how you can make more progress and what the next steps are for you. Of course, everything is laid out for you within the HFA platform, but inevitably you're going to have extra questions that are specifically related to your horse. And I just love helping you troubleshoot those those moments. So um, it's really nice to connect with you all over Zoom. Plus, you don't just get access to me when you join HFA. We welcome you into our exclusive community with like-minded horse people who are all on the same journey and are happy to celebrate your wins and help you move through the challenges. That's the HFA fam that I was talking about. And even some of the other members have been referring to our community as HFA fam, which is really nice. I don't know. It's just, you know, the horse world, sometimes it can be really clicky and you feel like you don't belong anywhere. I've certainly felt like that, especially the more alternative approaches that I am taking in my horsemanship I just feel like I'm no longer that kind of mainstream horse girl that you know that goes to competitions and that sort of thing I just I don't really fit into a box but if you are vibing with these podcast episodes and you really relate to a lot of the content and you feel like that this is more the direction you want to take in your horsemanship then we will welcome you with open arms into our HFA fam. Someone once described HFA as the gateway drug to horsemanship and it's true and many of my students have gone on to even bigger and better things and I couldn't be more proud of them. You know who you are. Um, And yeah, so (laughs) the gateway drug to horsemanship. It's basically like once you get a taste of this, you can't go back. Once I open your eyes in HFA, you can't close them again. It's You will be elevated to a new level of horsemanship. And let me tell you, it is addictive. I think back to when I first got into horsemanship. And personally, I would have loved to have more examples of people doing horsemanship in a way that I wanted to. Like absolutely nothing against Western or cowboys or cowgirls. Like I think you're incredible, but where are all the English riders at doing horsemanship, right? Like when I started, I just didn't have a huge amount of examples of that. And so for me, it felt like I had to completely change, you know, my uniform or the breed of horse that I liked to get involved in horsemanship. I mean, looking back, of course, I can think that's a little silly, but you don't have to wear a certain uniform to do horsemanship. Good horsemanship is good horsemanship, but it's nice to have role models doing it in a way that inspires you. So HFA, whilst we do have some people that use different equipment and different uh, have different styles, we all have our own style, um, I think it's nice to connect with others who do also come from a more traditional English riding type background. 
So if you're inspired by people riding bridalists, doing liberty, or simply just riding in harmony with their horse, it all starts with the fundamentals. And I would love to have you in Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, where I teach you exactly how to get those fundamentals. To find out more, join the HFA waitlist so you can be the first to know and have access to an early bird exclusive offer um, when enrollment opens in October. So it'll be October 18th that HFA opens and it will only be the people on the wait list that get access to an exclusive offer that'll only be available for a short time. So you must be on the wait list to get access to that. And to do that, you just need to go to AmaliaDempsey.com and then click on Academy. Um, There'll also be a link in the show notes and then it will prompt you to join the waitlist. Or you can also go to AmaliaDempsey.com slash HFA waitlist and enter your details there. The early birds who join HFA when I open enrollment on the 18th get the absolute best deal. So if you're wanting to have access to that and get that offer, then jump on the waitlist. I'm so excited to be welcoming the new HFA members this month. I love hearing about you and your horses and seeing your transformations and wins as you progress through HFA. I'd love for you to join us. So again, just go to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy and join the waitlist and then keep an eye out for emails that will be coming your way on the 18th of October about um, how to join and what the deal is and all the details. So super excited about that. Okay, now let's dive into everything bitless. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a light, happy and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and equine learning theory. And now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication with your horse so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing the partnership. Get more learning resources, including my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com. Click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and review or screenshot this episode and share on social media. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, let's first start off by talking about why bitless. I think a lot of people would have that question initially. I know it's something that I would have thought back in the day. The only time I ever would ride bitless was I remember competing and sometimes in the evenings we would walk our horses and this is back in the day where there were less safety regulations. Um, Sometimes we'd be too lazy to walk our horses around so we would just jump on them bareback with a halter on Um, and I would just ride bitless then but that was more out of convenience and um, just being lazy really rather than wanting to ride bitless. I would, yeah, I would say that I only really thought about riding bitless when I just wanted to quickly hop on and ride from the paddock to where I was tacking up, etc. I suppose I always rode in a bit because that's what was required for competition. That's what everyone else did. And I never really questioned the status quo. But then I, as I got older, I, I was inspired by people riding bitless. I was searching for a lighter way to ride my horses. And I had even seen people riding completely bridleless, which blew my mind. And I just thought, wow, I would love to be able to do that. And of course, one of the bridging steps to being able to ride completely bridleless. So with the neck rope would be, you know, can you ride bitless first? So I love that people are asking the question, you know, how can I ride bitless and why bitless? Um, it is an incredible feeling to be able to ride with a much lighter cues. Think about Maybe you yourself have experienced riding a horse who is what we would call strong in the mouth or hard in the mouth uh, and that, and you just think it would be impossible to ride this bitless. But let me tell you that inside every strong or hard-mouthed horse is a soft, light horse. It all comes down to training. Every horse has a sensitive mouth, in my opinion. Um, it's just a matter of helping that horse to understand the cues. No horse wants to have heavy pressure on the bit. You know, that is uncomfortable. No one can argue that that's uncomfortable, um, that's that's not uncomfortable, because it surely is. Put a a metal bit in your mouth and have a 60-plus kilo person pull on it. Um, 
it's going to be uncomfortable. So the goal is always lightness, no matter what equipment you use. But riding bitless requires an extra level of lightness because you don't have that. It's not as motivating, I guess you could say. It's not as aversive using pressure on the nose to motivate a response. So it means that your horse must have crystal clear clarity around what it is that you're asking. And I'll uh, explain how to achieve that a little bit later in the episode. You also need to have a level of trust and communication between you and your horse before you think about bitless riding, um, whether you're starting your horse bitless or whether you are transitioning from bit to bitless, because without that trust and connection, it's going to be a lot more kind of scary for both of you because you don't have this mutual understanding, which is, in my opinion, like a prerequisite prerequisite to even riding your horse, no matter what the equipment really. Um, but if you don't have that trust and connection, I would recommend definitely working on that first, on the ground, through groundwork before you even think about riding in general. Okay, so where to start, I've kind of already touched on that, where to start, what is the process, how do you introduce bitless riding? So yeah, as I was saying, first, if your horse is not relaxed or responsive on the ground, I wouldn't even think about riding in general with a bit or a bitless. You must have the fundamentals down before you think about riding. I mean, I mean, with any equipment, but especially bitless, because you don't really have, you don't really have the end say, because a horse can very easily push through um, bitless pressure, because it's not as aversive as pressure with the bit. If you don't have the fundamentals, I know I sound like a broken record, please join me in HFA, it's opening soon, Um, but I'm clearly very passionate about the fundamentals. I believe every horse and rider must have them. Um, both on the ground and riding, but especially on the ground before riding um, because it just sets you up for success no matter what you want to do with your horse. I promise, I'm not going to promise actually. I was going to say, I promise I won't talk about HMA again, but it probably will come up. But anyway, um, so you must have, where do you start? What is the process? First of all, have really good connection, trust, understanding between you, have really good groundwork, which means that you have clear communication on the ground between you your cues work from the ground your horse is focused on you connected with you understanding what you're asking them to do now my horses were actually started billis and I think a lot of good horse trainers do do this they start their horses bitless because a lot of the let's say you're doing a lot of the groundwork in a rope halter and then you ride the horses the first rides in a rope halter they are already familiar with uh, how how to respond to pressures of the rope halter on their head versus if you just use completely different equipment when you ride versus on the ground, it's a little bit harder to bridge that gap. And your groundwork really should have a direct translation to riding. We don't just do groundwork for the sake of doing groundwork. Like there is a purpose. And often a, a big chunk of that purpose is setting your ride up for success. Now, I understand that not all people had their horses started bitless or maybe that you're unsure whether your horse was started bitless. So maybe they don't have any history of being ridden bitless and that's okay because I'm going to talk about how to transition from riding with a bit to bitless as well. Um, But, you know, in an ideal world, in my opinion, horses will be started bitless and then transition to wearing a bit if that's what you would like to do. Now, something that I talk about with bitless riding is that you you don't just want to jump up there and see what happens. You want to set, set yourself up for success. So think about the types of things that you would want to ask your horse when you're riding and test them out, train them on the ground first. So you can even set yourself up where you're standing on the ground, kind of like next to the saddle or the riding position and have your horse in in your bitless bridle or your halter. We'll talk more about equipment a little bit later. And you check the different cues. A lot of people perhaps haven't even done this with their bit to see if if your horse has a clear understanding. And this is something that I do observe. Perhaps someone's struggling with their horse not understanding 
their cue to stop or they sort of push through it and it's like okay well let's just see what the horse's basic understanding is of when there is pressure applied to the bit and we might do that on the ground and the horse just gets confused and starts chomping on the bit and doesn't go backwards off of the feel of the pressure they just sort of push into it so for me that's a fundamental issue that's something we need to address before applying pressure on the bit when riding let alone bitless so we must have really light cues on the ground from the reins for going backwards because we want the horse to be feeling that when there is pressure on the bit this is a fundamental level I'm not talking about refined riding with contact etc but essentially when there is pressure on the bit the horse needs to feel like they've got to stop and go backwards if you know they're at the halt and they feel pressure from the bit we want them to think okay I've got to go backwards from that in order for the pressure to be relieved also lateral flexion because that is essentially the emergency stop you could say if you ever needed to like quickly stop and get off using one rein is a really good way of doing that so I'd want to see that there is a, a lateral flexion left and right again testing this from the ground first before I ride the horse and see if it works when I'm up there on the back so you're thinking about like rain cues from the ground what rain cues do I need when I'm up there riding and can I practice them on the ground first before you know just seeing what happens when I get up there um, so for me that's yeah stopping backwards lateral flexion at a bare minimum but really all the yields so four quarter yields hind quarter yields if this information if this language is foreign to you these are some of the things that I teach in fundamentals so um, I would encourage you to learn those first you want to have basic body control of your horse on the ground before you test up, test in the saddle and it's got to be at the halt first because that's going to be the easiest place to um, teach them because there's less, there's less criteria, there's less variables. So you can really be clear and specific about exactly what it is that you're teaching your horse. When you are going through these rain cues on the ground, you want to be thinking... Um, your horse understands straight away what it is that you're asking so if you're let's say you're asking for a backup so you shorten the reins apply a little bit of pressure and the horse takes you know five ten seconds to think about taking a backward step then in my opinion they're not ready to be asked that under saddle like you want it really light and responsive and crystal clear like the horse goes oh yeah I know exactly what that means before you go checking it when you're in the saddle I hope that makes sense so once your rain cues are really good on the ground then you can try it when riding but it might not be within the same session like you might be working on those rain cues for three or four sessions or more or less depending on how well your horse goes before you hop on and check it out when riding. I think that is one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making and that I'm not immune to um, making as well. Um, I often have to catch myself when I'm skipping steps or rushing steps um, but it's good. I think it's good that I now have that awareness that I'm doing that. But you don't just go, all right, well, the body cues are roughly there. I'll just hop on and see if they're, they're under saddle because what you get on the ground is probably, you know, a percentage of what you will or what you get under saddle is a percentage of what you've got on the ground. So don't expect it to be better when you're up there riding. You want to get it really good on the ground so it somewhat works under saddle. Uh, yeah, so just think about breaking these, these body, uh, these rain cues, this training of rain cues down over multiple sessions rather than going, okay, I've done that, moving on. It's, it's like you want to make sure your horse is crystal clear about the rain cues before you check them when you're riding. Now, let's say you have gone over your rain cues on the ground. You're really happy with how your horse is responding to those cues. Um, when you are riding, you want to be thinking body first, then your tools. Okay, and really intention first, then body, then tools. 
this is something that is really important if you want to ride with lightness and subtle aids and subtle cues because horses can feel your intention they can certainly feel your body and the tools is kind of like a last resort in a way um we would still often have to use our tools because you know we're not all perfect riders um but you've already trained your last resort cue uh, or last resort aid on the ground using your basic body control um, rain cues so that when you go into the saddle you you can start to teach the horse how they can even avoid rain pressure altogether and this is a little hint as to how you can eventually ride riderless because to do that your horse really needs to be tuned into your intention and what your body is doing and you need to have really good body awareness and uh, and really aware of what your body is asking your horse and if you don't have really good body awareness you need to work on that as a rider and there's off the horse exercises you can do for that I've got them in my eight-week program you can have a look at that if that interests you Um, but you also need to spend a lot of time really thinking about um, what exactly your body is asking your horse to do when you're up there riding like I play with little exercises where I think about okay can I feel my left seat bone a little bit more on the saddle and in response to that I'd like my horse to drift or follow that the weight of that because just thinking about the left seat bone in the saddle a little bit more is going to apply a bit more weight there and I'd like my horse to follow um, the direction of my weight even turning your head in one direction is going to place a little bit more weight um, in that direction so it, it might not feel like it but horses are extremely sensitive and they're aware of where your weight is moving uh, in the saddle. Now we can dull our horses to that and I think in some situations it, it's necessary. For example a beginner rider if their weight their weight is going to be going all over the place we don't want a super sensitive we don't want the horse to be really sensitive to that because they will also be going all over the place. But if you're interested in more refined riding we would like that level of sensitivity in our horses and therefore we need to um, resensitize our horses to that level of sophisticated riding. So I got onto that because I was talking about body or intention first, then your body, then your reins. If you take just that from this episode, you could completely change your riding, whether you ride with a bit or bitless. Intention, body, and then your tools or your reins, etc. So that is how you get your horse to respond more so to your body than having to always rely on the reins which you don't want to be just relying on the reins when you're riding bitless or bridleless you have to elevate your riding to a more refined way if that is your goal now when you do ride bitless for the first time you do not have to go cold turkey okay so if you are transitioning a horse from bit to bitless you can ride with your bridle on and your bitless bridle on at the same time. Now that could get a little bit clunky depending on what equipment that you're going to use, but I would suggest using a rope halter underneath a very simple bridle with the nose band taken off so there's not a whole heap of gear on your horse's head. Using clip-on rope reins because that way you can kind of move between using the bitless and the bit And another thing you can do is actually ride with two reins. So reins connected to the bitless bridle or the halter and reins connected to the bit. And so what you could do then is when you're up there, you could ask your horse for your basic body control yield. So let's say backwards, you can ask with the bit first and then your horse moves backwards, you release, you reward, you relax for a little bit. And then you try the exact same yield with the bitless. So that that way, it's something you've recently asked your horse, like very recently. So they're more likely to offer that behavior as an answer to your request. And then you can just work through all of your basic body control yields, starting with the bit, getting that light response, and then moving on to 
the bitless or the rope halter underneath your bridle and getting a light response also. I would not, and I would advise against hopping on your horse bitless and going, right, let's go, walk, trot, canter. You could probably get away with that. Some riders could definitely get away with that, but you don't want to get away with it. You want your horse to have understanding. You want it to feel like a conversation. You want to know that you've checked off all the things that are going to help you ride bitless in a way where you're both understanding each other. So start at the halt. Do all your basic body control yields. Once they're really good at the halt, you can move on to the walk. And again, that might not be within the one session. That might be over a number of sessions. You might also ride in your complete normal way with the bit. And then at the end of the session, you add on that extra set of reins to the halter underneath and you and you go through your basic body yields then like you don't have to just go cold turkey you can pepper it in and in fact I recommend peppering it in otherwise your horse is going to go whoa you've completely changed the way we do everything I'm super confused because this is really foreign to me whereas if you're just teaching one little piece at a time but you're consistent over time it'll be such a gradual transition to bitless that your horse kind of won't even notice but they'll surely appreciate it because I feel like riding bitless um, is a great experience for both horse and rider. Hopefully that helps answer the question of where to start and how to kind of transition from bit to bitless. Um, I'll just recap that because I feel like I went on many tangents. So in general, make sure that you have good connection and trust, mutual trust between you and your horse before you even think about it. And that starts with your relationship on the ground and good groundwork. Then you want to make sure that you can do basic body control yields from your reins on the ground with light response and clear understanding from the horse. Then you want to make sure that you can apply those same yields when you're riding at the halt thinking about your intention first then your body then your tools and perhaps you also have a hybrid so you have your bit and your bitless on at the same time so it doesn't feel like you're riding completely cold turkey and you have the option of using the bit if you want to and then gradually you just phase out the use of the bit And gradually, over time, you progress from the halt to the walk to the trot, etc. Okay, I hope that gives you a little bit more clarity. Of course, it's always difficult to speak about these things sometimes on the podcast because I've got a picture in my head of exactly how to do this, but explaining it in words can sometimes be tricky without a visual. If you would like a visual, Module 8 in HFA, I go through these basic body control yields. Um... And I actually do demonstrate this on a horse where the halter is underneath the bridle. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head if I'm riding bitless or with the reins attached to the bit, but the principles are the same. Um, you can, uh, you, you see how I set up those basic, how I train those basic body control yields um, and I explain them in great detail. So if you're like, I actually don't even know how to do those yields, then HFA is a fantastic place to start for that. Okay, the next question is when to transition from leaving the arena to going on trails, etc. Again, I would not go cold turkey and go, okay, I want to ride bitless. Let's go on a forest ride and just see what happens. Um, and I'm sure the person asking this question uh, would not do that. But uh, I certainly recommend, as I said, peppering it in over time, making sure that you're both really confident in the arena or perhaps even... I mean, I I would do it in an arena first, but some people might prefer to start in a round yard where it's an even smaller space so that there's less chance that your horse, or it feels like there's less chance your horse is kind of going to just take over and you won't have any sort of control. Uh, So you could start in a round yard and then when all of your basic body control yields at the halt are really good and you can walk, trot, and even canter, Um, where it feels like your horse isn't wanting to race away from you, but equally isn't just wanting to stop all the time either. That's when I would say you're ready to go out in a more open space like a a larger arena or even a small paddock, say. And in an ideal world, you would have your round yard, then you'd progress to an arena, and then you would progress to a 
like small paddock and then a large paddock and then um, perhaps do the same in a new environment, a new location. And then you can think about going in the big wide open world like a forest ride or, or the beach or something like that. But that's a lot of steps and not everyone has the luxury of those different uh, facilities. I totally get that. Uh, but I would say it's definitely about a feeling that you have. If you feel like you're going, oh, I, I want to ride in the open paddock, but I'm not sure. Well, if you're not sure, then you're probably not ready. Um, and you want to, you want to have steps in place. Like you need to ask yourself, okay, what would make me feel ready? Okay. I need to know that I can stop my horse at any time. I need to know I can back my horse up at any time. I know I need to know I can kind of like control a situation that might get out of hand. Like, can I quickly laterally flex my horse and hop off if I need to? Like a one rein stop and emergency dismount, say. I need to know that I can canter comfortably because what if my horse does just canter and I'm not comfortable with that? So if you're feeling like, oh, I want to be able to ride out in the big paddock or on a trail ride, but I'm not sure, well, write down the things that would make you more sure and test those things out in a smaller space first and get them really good in a smaller space first so you know that they're going to work. The beauty of using positive reinforcement as well. So personally, I use combined reinforcement. If you don't know much about reinforcement, I have spoken about it on other episodes. I do go into detail in it in HFA as well. Or you could just Google like different uh, operant conditioning and different reinforcement methods but I use negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement and those things are described in the mathematical sense so um, removal reinforcement and adding reinforcement you could also say so basically removing pressure to motivate a response or adding something desirable to um, motivate a response uh, and the beauty of using positive reinforcement so in a nutshell negative reinforcement is pretty much pressure release positive reinforcement is pretty much using food rewards um, that's really simplifying it uh, there's much more to it but in general I use combined so I use both I use pressure release and reward and the beauty of using positive reinforcement or reward with your riding is that uh, stopping is a highly reinforced behavior because you've got to stop to give your horse the food, right? <laughs> you can't really give your horse the food in motion. So the horse knows that ev- not every time, depending on you know where you're at with the training, but a lot of the time when you stop, there is a reward for it. So your horse is seeking that stop. So if you're someone who is interested in using positive reinforcement when you're riding, it really helps with the bitless riding because your horse is is often thinking about when is the next stopping point. So it's a nice little, it's nice knowing that your horse is looking for that because if you're a bit more of a um, conservative rider, let's say, uh, it's nice knowing that your horse is looking for the stop rather than always looking for the go or trying to run away from you. That's certainly not a nice feeling if you're riding bitless or riding with a bit even. That's how, you know, people run into describing their horse as strong or um, hard mouth because the horse is just trying to run away and is pushing through the pressure of the bit because it doesn't understand or it's afraid. So there was this one time where I was actually going for a forest ride with a friend, um, a new-ish friend and a fairly mainstream rider as well, right? And I was riding bitless. Just This story just came to me because um, of the question about leaving to go on trails uh, and I've ridden this horse a bitless a lot, right? So she was really light and she was familiar with riding, being ridden bitless. But she, I let my horses graze a bit on trial rides. So, and we hadn't mounted up yet and was just letting her graze. And I was distracted and talking to my friend and my horse stepped on the rein and broke, like pulled back and broke the bitless bridle. So my horse was standing there in the forest with a broken bitless bridle and I was just like, oh, I I have no like quote unquote control over my horse's head now. Um, so I literally just looped the lead rope around the horse's neck and we walked back to the float so I could 
put another halter or bridle on. But it made me go, wow, like a lot of horses in this situation, you would have no chance of leading that horse back to the float. But I could lead my horse back to the float with a lead rope around its neck only because I had developed that level of communication. I wasn't relying on my tools for control as such. I mean, sure, the rope was still around the neck, but I didn't have to have a bit in the horse's mouth or even something around their nose to encourage them to stay with me so that I could get back to the float. So that's the sort of that's the sort of lightness that I always want to have with my horses. I don't want to always be relying on heavy equipment to control a situation. Ultimately, I just want my horses to want to be with me regardless of what's what's on them. I mean, you could take that the wrong way. I mean, I'm not expecting my horses to always follow me at liberty no matter what the situation. Like, that's just unrealistic and who knows I mean maybe there's some amazing horseman out there that has achieved that um I'm certainly not at that level but I would like some uh mutual understanding like please stay with me when uh we're together there was also a time that I rode completely bridleless on an old golf course with a friend that was cool that was fun it's always a gamble when you ride bridleless okay so it's you there is somewhat of an illusion that you have total control when you're riding bridleless you don't you really have to have a level of connection and communication between you and your horse that if you don't it's not you you know things can go south pretty quickly um but you make calculated decisions I didn't start the ride bridleless I had my neck rope with me I was riding bitless and I was testing things out all the way along the ride. Like, do I have basic body control without using my reins? Like, still with the uh, option of using the bitless there, but I was riding bridleless with a bitless bridle on, okay? And that's actually a really key thing to, to think about. So you can ride bridleless just with your horse wearing a bitless bridle. So it's like, okay, I'm going to put my head my mind mentally into this bridleless riding state and pretend that the bitless bridle isn't on. Now I'm talking about riding bridleless, but I'll get back to bitless in a sec. But, and you can kind of test your communication without going completely bridleless. It's the same with bitless. Okay. So you can have your reins attached to the bit and a set of reins attached to the halter underneath the bridle and you can go, okay, I'm going to pretend now that I'm completely bitless and just ride bitless knowing that you have the option of riding with the bit if you need, like the reins are there if you need. And the little Velcro things on your saddle pads are really handy for that because you can kind of attach one set of reins to the Velcro and then it's like a quick release as well if it gets caught in anything. But that way you can sort of forget about those bit reins for a little while and just focus on using your bitless reins so you're testing the waters again before going cold turkey as you have probably figured out I'm not a fan of just going cold turkey and just taking a gamble and seeing what happens test things out before you take the bit off test things out before you take the bridle off completely So hopefully that helps answer the question of when to transition from leaving the arena to going on trails. Like you just want to make sure that your communication is really good and you know it's going to work. You're not taking a gamble as you're not taking a huge gamble. Um, So yeah, start small, gradually go big, make sure your communication is really clear and, and don't go cold turkey. Now, someone had asked for me to touch on rules for competition in regards to bitless. So at the moment, I don't really compete too much, Um, but I do like going to little riding club rallies and things like that, and they will actually let me ride bitless, which is really nice. I am very, I feel very um, happy (laughs) and lucky that I'm allowed to ride bitless in a public location. Because I know that not all organisations are facilitating or accommodating for alternative kind of riding or alternative equipment. So that is really nice that they allow me to do that. Um, But you could always ask if you go to a riding club or something similar, 
just ask the committee, is it okay if I ride bitless? Um, and usually the answer is as long as you have, well, the answer that I've had is if you have good control of your horse, then you can ride bitless. But you need to consider, like a lot of people get angry at organisations for not allowing bitless, but they have they have a duty of care. They have insurance, um, so they might not always be allowed to allow their riders to ride bitless. And it's not always the fact that they're just completely anti alternative methods. Um, so, yeah, try not to. If they say no, it's not the end of the world. Hopefully, you have um, hopefully you have a horse who you can ride both ways with a bit and bitless. Um, or if you only ride bitless, perhaps ask in advance if there is somewhere, if they do allow you to ride bitless. Now, in terms of competing, what disciplines do allow bitless riding? So I don't know all of the rules in different countries, etc. But I know that currently at competitions in Australia, um, you're not able to ride bitless in dressage. Um you must ride with a bit and you must ride with a noseband. So you can't really even ride with a bridle with just a bit and no noseband, which I like to do sometimes or most of the time. You have to wear a, a noseband and you have to ride in a bit. Now, who knows if these rules will change? I think they will. I certainly think they will within my lifetime. I think that bitless will be allowed for sure. Um, it, it is a bit strange to me that you're not allowed to ride bitless because if the goal is lightness and um, understanding from the horse you would think that bitless would be allowed because it is a lighter level of communication however dressage is about refined riding so perhaps there's arguments that with a bit you can be more refined Um, I think it's very much about tradition as well. In dressage, traditionally, they've used bits. They've even, they've used double bridles. So there is that component as well. A lot of, a lot of dressage is about tradition. Think about even the uniforms that they wear. Um, So yeah, but I do think it, it is changing and it will change. I know that in show jumping and cross country you actually can ride bitless which go figure you know that's probably more likely where you're going to be in a situation where you can be out of control so to speak um but they they do allow it as far as I know um so yeah it's just the dressage component of eventing and dressage in general that I think you have to wear a bit someone correct me if I'm wrong but I'm fairly sure that you're allowed to ride bitless in show jumping and cross country however do you really ever see it I don't think we really see it much here in Australia perhaps like hackamores that are a form of bitless riding I guess um but yeah I I know that I it's not in dressage pretty much the answer is no we don't allow bitless riding and that's pretty much globally but in saying that it is going to change I think it will change anyway I think you know sometimes people really want me to um I guess bag on organizations about not allowing bitless but I think there's a lot more to it I don't think anyone's sitting there going we hate bitless riders you know I just think it takes a lot to have things changed and to have rules changed and tradition change um but it it also doesn't really concern me too much uh personally because I'm not competing um but I do think in general maybe I'm biased because of who I surround myself with I do think that we are moving in a better direction in terms of allowing more alternative equipment and um calling out equipment that perhaps isn't the most horse friendly. So my goal is that bitless riding is allowed in competition no matter what discipline in the future, but I don't really think at this stage bits will be banned or should be banned. Um, but I, but I, as always, I think horse welfare has to be number one and closely uh, monitored in especially a competition or a public setting where um, it we should be demonstrating good horsemanship. Okay, now let's talk about probably the most commonly asked question, um, and that is what is what bitless bridle do I recommend? What's my favorite bitless bridle? What to look for in a bitless bridle? How to fit it? 
um, how to choose it, what to use when first starting out, all of the above. I get asked this a lot actually. And I do remember when I was first considering bitless bridles that weren't rope halters, I was a I was a bit confused myself because there's a lot out there and it's like, what even is the mechanism of a bitless bridle? When you're so used to riding with a bit, you're like, how does it even work? But it's really not that complicated. Um, I'll go over that in a second. Uh, But in general, as I've said, to start off with, the best bitless bridle to use when you're starting out is whatever you're using on the ground in your groundwork. So whether that's a webbed halter, a rope halter, a caverson, like a traditional caverson style um, that people use in like um, more classical in-hand work. Whatever you are choosing to use on the ground, use that as your first bitless bridle when you're starting out. So for me, that's a rope halter, a simple rope halter. Uh, because it's not a new feeling for your horse. You, you're not uh, surprising your horse with a completely new piece of equipment um, when you're riding bitless. It's a smooth transition. There's less variables, there's less change. So your horse is more likely to feel comfortable and respond to your cues because it's the only difference is now you're up on their back. Okay, so for the best bridle, bitless bridle to start when um, first starting out riding bitless is whatever you are using on the ground. And then what bitless bridle do you choose when you're looking to ride um, in a more refined way, like perhaps with contact or, you know, you're past the point of just using your rope halter or your webbed halter and you want something a little that looks a little nicer and a little fancier. So my personal preference is one that I actually had designed myself. I was a bit fed up. I couldn't find a bitless bridle that I absolutely love, that I'm like really pedantic and really fussy in particular with my gear. I wish I wasn't, but I just am. Um, So I was like, I'm just going to get one made and I will get like 50 made. And then, because usually you can't just get one made for yourself. If you go through a manufacturer, you have to have a bulk amount made. Um, And then that way I'll have my own bridle and I can um, answer everyone's, like everyone asks me, what bitless bridle do you use? So I can tell them this one and they can buy it. Um, But logistically, it's not an avenue that I want to continue going down as a business because I just have too many business ideas. So I'm not, I'm not going to do that for now, but Who knows, I might again in the future because it's honestly a request I get all the time and I do absolutely love the bitless bridle that I designed myself because it looks beautiful for a start. It looks like a normal bridle. I wanted a bitless bridle that looked normal. I didn't want to stand out in terms of like something weird looking on my horse's head. I think I've just been conditioned to look at normal bridles on a horse and to me that it looks nice. So I wanted something that sort of looked like a normal English bridle. So it has a beautiful anatomical headpiece. It has a curved brow band, which I think looks really attractive on horse. It has a nice padded nose band. Um, it's a simple caverson nose band, so it's not a crank because I think that goes against the whole idea of riding bitless. We don't want to crank that nose band up real tight. Uh, it's It's got to be still loose in my opinion, so there can be an on-off type feel when you are going through those basic body control yields. I wanted something that was padded because when you ride with contact, you don't want it to be an uncomfortable feel on the horse's nose. You want it to be something that they can easily sort of accept on on their nose and um, it not feel like they always want to escape away from that. And I wanted some reinforcing around the rings in the nose band. So if you look at a lot of bitless nose bands and the rings where the bit where the reins actually attach onto the rings they're not actually reinforced that solidly in a lot of them like they're not very well made in terms of how well those rings are attached to the nose band and not that I would want to be pulling on those reins real hard but I want to know that in the event that I might need to that those rings aren't just going to like pull off the nose band right so I in my bitless bridle they're like reinforced so there's an extra set of stitching and leather around the ring that it's embedded in that nose band it is not coming out okay um so that just gives me a little bit more peace of mind so when you are shopping around for bitless nose bands do have a look at exactly where the reins attach on because it has to be well made and um uh, and not look like it could easily come out with a good pull in terms of the mechanism of the bitless bridle so personally i like what is called a side pull 
nose band, uh, bitless bridle. I know that sounds awful, right? Side pull, like as in we're just pulling on the side. But essentially that is the mechanism. So it's literally just like a halter, a webbed halter and the reins attached to the side. It's just a little bit more, it looks a little nicer when it's in a, when it looks like a bitless, when it looks like an actual bridle, but it doesn't have a fancy sort of under the, there's some bitless bridles that have like a cross under mechanism where it like uh, applies pressure to underneath the jaw or underneath the chin or, or around the lips. I don't, I just, I just wanted to keep it real simple. Um, and I just didn't think the cross under mechanism was going to be, it just didn't make sense to me. If you have a look at the, I think they're called cross under, a cross under mechanism for a bitless bridle. Um, as you can see, my knowledge in those bridles is not as much as the side pull bitless bridles. But I think that this is also something that you need to experiment with. Like you, I feel like everyone wants to know what's the perfect bridle, what's the perfect saddle. But something that I've learned is you've got to do your own experimentation. Like you've got to try these things yourself to see what you like, what your horse likes. I can tell you what has worked for me, but you might have a different preference. But anyway, I do like the side pull style bridles, which pretty much work as a simple halter, but it looks like a bridle. There are some with different rings as well so you can there's a slight like leverage type mechanism to the bridle again I just like the simplicity of a side pull it's uh I I like simplicity in a lot of the gear that I use I call it equestrian minimalism I want to do another podcast episode on that um but I just like using simple stuff as soon as things get too complicated too technical I'm just like nah I don't want to be involved um I just like the simplicity um of course, if a horse absolutely needs something that's complicated, I'll go down that pathway. But I just really like a simple side pull bitless bridle. Now, you can't buy my bitless bridle anymore because I'm not stocking them. But there are some that I have seen that I do like. So, uh, and I have actually bought from as well. Now, Sustainable Equitation is a company they do they used to sell I'm pretty sure they don't sell them anymore but they have a very simple bitless bridle um, that they used to sell and that I've bought and that I liked it has rubber on the back of the noseband so it's not going to slip and slide around and it's actually pretty comfortable as well uh, but I don't think they're stocking them anymore but I feel like if enough people email them they might restock them because I'm not sure the reason why they they stopped selling them but they were really good and I used to refer a lot of people to them so that's sustainable equitation rebalance equestrian oh my gosh this little business that does beautiful handmade leather work I absolutely love and I have ordered a caverson um, off of them before for in-hand work uh, I haven't actually ridden in it in that caverson bitless but you can ride in caverson um caverson's bitless as well uh, but they basically do custom bridles, caversons, halters, etc. whatever you want. So if you're super fussy like me, you can just have a look at their page and contact them and let them know exactly what you want, what colors, what brassware, what mechanism, etc. and they'll make it for you according to your horse's measurements. So absolutely love that. Um, so if you have a specific style of bitless bridle that you like or you want, then you can... Um, get them to make it as per your request. Yes, they're really expensive, but totally worth it in my opinion if you are a bit quirky like me and like things a specific way. The next one that I really like and a friend slash student of mine, Beck, bought one from The Bit Bank, paradoxically. Um, They sell a beautiful bitless bridle called Bridle to Fit and it's more expensive, but it is probably the closest one that I've found to the one that I had made myself. Um, yeah, it's it looks like a simple side pull mechanism. Sometimes they have sales on at the bit bank as well. Uh, so I really like that one too. The other one is there's one called Light Rider and um, a friend of mine, Linda, she rides in these and is an advocate for these and I have another student who rides in them as well and 
and they look good. I feel like they have a little bit of a um, mechanism under the um, chin area. So looking, I think that's what uh, why I didn't choose to ride in those initially. But I know some people take that part off and just attach to the rings anyway. So you could um, you could do that yourself. And then the other one that I like is the dressage naturally one. So the one that Karen Rolfe has designed, but it doesn't look like a traditional normal quote unquote normal English bridle, which is what I personally like. It looks more of like a halter style um, without a brow band. So, but it is it the mechanism is just like a side pull, and the way she's designed it. Some bitless bridles, when you apply pressure to the side, they can sort of rotate and and the leather can actually get very close to their eye or even over their eye, which I don't like. Uh, but these ones, they don't do that because of this where Karen has designed the rings to be. So that's another one to look at as well. So there's many options, but just like saddles, there's no perfect saddle. There's no perfect bridle. There's no perfect arena surface. There's no perfect horse. There's no perfect rider, but we're always searching for like, oh, what is the perfect piece of equipment? Um, find one that you and your horse likes the most and go with that. One question I had is, have you found any issues with skin rubbing or irritation? Now, in general, no, I haven't. But I think this also comes down to how how you're riding with the bitless bridle. Um, I will say, though, I did do a week-long horsemanship camp years ago now. And it was summer, so my horse had a really short coat. And I was using a rope halter. And I actually did notice some rubbing from the rope halter. I felt horrible and the dressage diva in me and also the horse lover in me just wanted to get some sheepskin and wrap that rope halter up in sheepskin Um, which would have looked quite ridiculous but I honestly just think it was the length of time she just had the rope halter on for because it's not like we were doing anything like aggressive with the rope halter to cause that rubbing I just think she had a really short coat sensitive skin and wore the rope halter for such a long time that it was just and and she's got prominent like those cheekbones on the side of their face those they sort of stick out a little bit and yeah the rope holder perhaps wasn't the exact right size um didn't fit her perfectly because she's got a very slight roman nose as well so that did actually cause some rubbing which i felt awful about but i've since then i have not had any issues with rope holders rubbing i have not had any issues with bitless bridles rubbing but it would it certainly would cause some irritation if you were having like constant heavy aids on the nose band um which you want to avoid anyway but uh yeah i actually haven't had any issues with rubbing but don't you think it's interesting that people don't really ask this question when it comes with bits when it comes to bits i mean perhaps they do but it's like kind of out of sight out of mind when the bit is in the mouth we don't we can't see any rubbing happening but there would be there would be some discomfort on the tongue and jaw depending on how the horse is ridden of course um i think because uh bitless bridles it's such an external thing that we would notice the rubbing straight away we would see it but do we check our horse's mouths after every ride well i i actually i don't but you know i think i'm riding in a way where it's very unlikely that they're going to have any kind of irritation in the mouth from the bit um but yeah don't you think that's interesting um so in general no i haven't had any rubbing from bitless bridles uh so i don't think you run into any issues you probably will run into issues if the bit if the bridle doesn't fit correctly uh or you're using it for an excessively long period of time or if you're using the bridle with heavy heavy and consistent and constant pressure and that is why when I like to ride with contact or shorter reins with a bitless bridle I want it to be a soft padded noseband rather than a rope halter you still can ride with contact with a rope halter but I just don't think it's as comfortable as a bitless bridle with a padded noseband so that would be my recommendation if you're wanting to ride with shorter reins or contact with a bitless bridle is just to make sure that the noseband is padded now in terms of the correct fit for a bitless bridle pretty much you just want to make sure that the 
brow band isn't too tight, just like you would in a normal bridal. And you want to make sure that the nose band isn't too tight, hopefully, just like you would in a normal bridal. So you want to make sure that you can fit, well, you know, the two finger rule, which is two fingers underneath the front of the nose band, you should be able to fit two fingers through. But for me, it's more like, can my horse graze? Can my horse yawn? Can my horse lick and chew and like really move their mouth around without the nose band interfering? I know that there are some people that ride bitless with a tight nose band and perhaps that is to keep a bit more of a consistent or consistency um, with the horse's head. Although I haven't found I've needed that when riding with contact bitless. I just like to have a loose nose band. I just think it's more comfortable for the horse. Um, Especially when you're starting out, you need that more on-off pressure as a cue and I feel like it's more obvious with a looser nose band. Uh, and uh, you want the nose band to sit roughly two fingers below that, that little cheekbone that sticks out on the side. Um, so you don't want it too low that it's um, putting pressure on the nose cartilage because it can cause damage and it would that would just be really uncomfortable. And you don't want it too high. Um, I don't know the reason why we don't want it too high. I think it kind of looks funny, but also... Uh, it just perhaps just doesn't have the same effect on the, when you're applying directional aids, um, because we want the horse to sort of follow their, their nose, I guess. And if the nose band is too high, it's not going to have that same kind of feel to it. And in terms of bitless fitting, you just want to make sure that you follow the guide of whatever bitless bridle you're choosing. You can always contact the manufacturer. You can send photos of your horse wearing their bitless bridle and ask like is this is this how you would recommend it um, fit is there do you have any recommendations should I lower the nose band or whatever it might be they can always guide you in the right direction if anyone's bought any of my bitless bridles and and you'd send me a photo of your horse wearing it I would happily comment on whether it's right or whether you need to change something okay I think I have covered all your bitless questions now. I love talking about bitless riding. I think it's just something I'm really passionate about because I remember feeling like it's, it would be, it would be hard to do. And, and like, where do you even start and what do you choose? And I would have loved to listen to an episode like this that would give me a lot of insight from someone who has done all the research, done all the trial and, and error and, um, found what, what works for different horses and, um, yeah, does it in a way that's light and comfortable and and that the horse enjoys. So I hope that you're inspired by this episode to do some bitless riding, to start peppering in some um, preparation for bitless riding. And uh, I will remind you that HFA is opening up in about a week's time on October 18th. So if you're curious about how to actually implement the fundamentals so you can set up your bitless riding for success, then definitely join me. I would love to have you head on over to AmaliaDempsey.com slash HFA waitlist to get on the waitlist to make sure that you get access to that early bird offer that's only going to be available for probably just a couple of days when it launches on October October 18th um, and then enrollment will close on the 1st of November. So I really hope to have you inside of HFA. Otherwise, I want to hear about your bitless riding. I want to hear how it's going. Send me a message on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. Let me know if you love this episode. As always, if you leave a rating and review, it really does help this podcast reach more people and it makes my day. I love hearing from you about what you got out of the episode. What are your breakthroughs? Um, And hopefully I have inspired you in some way through today's podcast episode. Anyway, that's all for today. Everything bitless. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot this episode and share it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses or my website AmaliaDempsey.com where you can find free resources to help you on your horsemanship journey. That's all for today. Thanks for being here. Remember to train with kindness and ride with excellence and I'll see you in the next